It is good to uh, it is good to be back with you all today. I um I was on paternity leave for a couple of a couple of weeks, and then um had a couple of Sundays where I didn't didn't preach. I say I didn't I didn't get to preach because I, I I actually rather enjoy doing this. Um, but I'm really excited to share with you today. So I'd like to ask if you would just join with me in uh, in saying this prayer together as we get ready to hear the word of God. Let's let's say this together. O Lord, our God. We have gathered in your most holy name that we might drink together from the water of life. We come to praise you, for you are Lord of all creation, to enjoy you, for you are our Heavenly Father, to learn from you, for you are our wonderful counselor, and to serve you, for you are our Almighty King. Open up the floodgates of heaven, Lord. Let the river of life flow through this great city. As we seek to love our neighbors as you have loved us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, Today, so we're continuing with our series called I Love My Church, and I want to remind you that we want to interact with you however, uh, in in whatever way suits you, in whatever way you can, in any way we can. Um, We don't want to see this as a one-way kind of thing, rather as a dialogue. What we speak about here in this brief time And yes, it is brief, no matter how long it may seem. Um, In this brief time that we speak about, we want to see that this conversation carries on, that this is actually a conversation, that it's not just Johnny or Albert or Christine just talking at you, but that you're engaging your mind and your heart in what we're talking about, and that you are taking this further, that you're talking about these things with your family, with other church members. So we are are on social media um, in different ways. You can, uh, that's my personal phone number right there. If you have questions that come up during this sermon and you want to... Ask me questions. Um, if there's time at the end, I may be able to answer them, but I will definitely answer you directly at some point soon. Um, we're also on Twitter for any, any of you that do that kind of thing. We're on Facebook. Um, you can look for that, that, that uh, hashtag as well. And you can also find our Trinity Church Monterey Park uh, Facebook page. Uh, we even have an Instagram for those of you who do that kind of stuff. Sorry, we're not on Snapchat. That's another thing that people do, but we're not, we're not doing that yet. We might be doing that soon. I don't know. Um, but I want to start today by asking you an honest question. I'm going to ask you an honest question. I'm going to ask you to kind of gather in groups of two or three and answer this question with each other. I want you to talk about this. Um, what did you come here expecting from this church today? What did you come here expecting from this church today? Would you please get in groups of two or three and try to give as honest an answer as you can. Don't try to give the answer that you think somebody else wants to hear. What did you come here expecting today? Even if it's totally just like, you know, ridiculous. <laughs> what was your what is your honest answer? What did you come here expecting from this church today? I see I saw a few of you sitting there not talking to anybody, so maybe what you expected is to not be asked to talk to anybody until you, you just didn't do it. Oh, uh, I I would love to hear uh, what what some of you had to say if uh, for any of you who wouldn't mind sharing your responses. Um, even if they're not the response that you think that I would want to hear, or that's, that's, there's no right answer. I'm just, I'm just, I'm asking honestly. So, okay, let's let's have you speak so that everybody can hear you. Yes. Family. Just in a few words. Family and fellowship and worship. Family and fellowship and worship. All right. So that's what she came expecting. She expected to have this family atmosphere, to to have some kind of bonding, and to to worship. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. I'm gonna go right back here. To Jenny. Everybody met Jenny. You need to meet Jenny. She's pretty cool. Hi. What'd you come expecting today, Jenny? Um, guidance and faith. Guidance and faith. Cool. All right. Thank you. 
And, and Peter right here too. Yes. Yes. Um, just to hear the sermon and, you know, to worship. Okay. So a sermon and worship. And you already got one of those. And you're in the middle of getting the other one, right? <laughs> All of those are really good reasons. But I think our Sunday school class is a good reason. We come to eat the juke that, that Cindy brings. <laughs> so Sunday school accompanied by juke. What, one more person. Expectation. Want somebody in this section right here who wants to share an expectation? Helen, Helen's got a good one. Renewal of spirit. Renewal of spirit. Good, good, good one. Very eloquently stated. I like that. Um, we all come with expectations today. Some of you maybe didn't know how to verbalize it. Maybe your expectation that you came with today is that we would end at the time that we say we're supposed to end so that you can get on with the rest of your day. That may be an expectation. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody has expectations of this place and this time and it's okay to admit that and it's okay to be honest about what those expectations are i mean we live our lives with expectations about everything we do right if i go see a stand-up comedian what am i expecting they're gonna be funny have you ever seen a comedian who's not funny that's one of the most awkward things ever right nobody wants to go watch a comedian that's not funny and what do you if you pay money to go see a comedian that's not funny what do you want my money back right if you go to McDonald's to eat, if you go to McDonald's to eat, what can you expect? Very unhealthy food for very cheap, right? If you go to McDonald's and things are more expensive than you think, well, then you're, you're at the wrong place. All right, what kind of McDonald's is this? If I go to see professional athletes play, I expect them to pour their hearts out and their souls out on that field or on that court because they're getting paid millions of dollars to do so, right? And, and, and what do we do if they don't do that? Well, I don't know. Ask a Rams fan. I, Something, right? Okay? So, so what happens when our expectations of church are not met? Most people expect that this gathering is going to be where we're supposed to come and receive this deepest, most lasting spiritual nurturing. Kind of like you said, right? Some of you said this, this guidance, this deep, this deep need that's met. There should be some expectation there if that's what we're supposed to be here to get. You know, when people are looking for a church that they're going to attend with their family or by themselves or with their, with their significant other, one of the most common things I hear is we want a place where we will be fed. Where we will be fed. When people are considering leaving a church, maybe either to, to not go anywhere or to go to another church, one of the most common things I hear is we just don't feel that we are being fed in this place. I'm not saying that's everybody's reason, but usually I hear some kind of version of that. We come with expectations. And when it comes to church, there's the expectation of somehow being deeply spiritually nurtured, fed. People are looking to be fed. Now, we may not all say it like that. That's essentially what most people expect from a church, that it meets some deeper need. Now, today we're going to talk about those elements of church that have to be there in order for us to not only meet people's expectations, but for us to be the church that Jesus Christ calls us to be. How do we become the church that not only meets people's needs, but that is the church that Jesus Christ means for us, calls us to be? You know, my story of faith and church is much different from Albert's, and Albert shared a little bit of his story last week that he, didn't, he wasn't a Christian at all until, he, until his, his late 20s or something like that. And, but one place where Albert and I have come together is this. We both love this congregation. 
Trinity Church. I love Trinity Church. I do. And that love has only grown in the years that I've been here. You know, when I first visited this congregation over eight years ago, I was drawn to what I found here. And it wasn't just because Gloria, my wife, brought me here and I was crazy about her and I would have pretty much gone anywhere that she asked me to go. And I did. No, what brought me here was something deeper. This picture is from about five months after I first visited Trinity and my band at the time, Caterfly, was playing a show right, here, right out here in the courtyard. Um, this was my, one of my early days here at Trinity. You know, some of the things that drew me to Trinity Church, there's this family-like atmosphere, warm and inviting, which is something that I missed from a couple of the churches of my youth. I missed having that environment. There was this sense of tradition, elements that were part of the fabric of this community, things like singing the doxology, praise God from... I had never been part of a church that did that. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Having a VBS that everybody kind of jumped in to help with. Decorating the sanctuary for Christmas, and everybody kind of like, you know, grabs a thing and puts it up, and everybody's kind of part, it's like this little decorating party. It's like, oh, this is kind of cute. It's nice. Tradition. There was this sense of humility within the leadership, something I did not experience in the church where I spent almost 20 years, most of my church-going life, or my life at all. There was this sense of devotion to Christ, but there was not this hunger for power or control. And I especially saw this in our lead pastor, Albert. Humility. Refreshing. I also saw that there was this willingness to, to grow, to be stretched, to be willing to take risks and chances and trust that God would see us through. I mean, Trinity must have been willing to take a risk, hiring a young guy like me, as an associate pastor with no previous formal pastoral experience. And I resonated with that. And today this church has become my family. I love you, church. And I'm grateful to be a part of Trinity Church. And just like being part of any family, I feel that my personal investment in this place gives me the, the perspective to be able to see what is the most beautiful element, all the most beautiful parts of this church, but my personal investment also allows me to be able to call out where those places are where we need to grow. Do you ever feel that way about your own family of origin? You're like, like, you know how crazy and dysfunctional they can be, but you can say those things because that's your family. What if somebody else tried to come along and talk trash about your family? Is it the same? Does it work? Does somebody who's not part of that family, are they allowed to come along and say, oh, what is that? I don't like that. Does it, does it resonate the same? No. You kind of get this feeling like, uh, excuse me, no. How about you just, no. Right, you're not allowed to say that because you're not part of the family, right? But if you're part of the family, you know what's beautiful and you know what's broken. Am I right? And that's how I feel about Trinity Church. I know what's beautiful and I know what's broken. But I don't appreciate it when Somebody else comes along and says, hey, what about what's that? What's that? Hey, you're not here. You're not part of this family. As we continue through this series called I Love My Church, I want you to know that I do. I love my church. And in my eight years here, we've been through some highest, joy, the highest, joyous highs together, and we've been through some devastating lows. We have. And I know Pastor Albert, Pastor Christine, our other pastors, we feel the same way. We, your pastors, we love you. So as we journey through these next few weeks to discover what we were meant to be, I encourage you not to just see this as a one-way talk. This is more like a family meeting. Any of you ever have family meetings in your household? 
somebody, mom or dad or both or, or an older sibling or whatever, would call, hey, oh, come on, we need to talk. This can't have, so Whose dirty socks are those? Who's leaving their chones on the, over the kitchen table right there, right? Look, who's, who's leaving dirty plates in the... Hey, let me, let's have a talk. Let's have a talk right now, right? Family meeting, okay? This is a family meeting. And, and everybody's voice is needed at this table, at this meeting. This is where our family, Trinity, comes together to talk about kind of what we're getting right, what we're doing well, and maybe some areas where we need to step it up. We're going to identify together what is God saying to us, to all of us, right? And together I believe that we will fall more in love with God and with his family as we engage in this conversation. And if you're here today and you're fairly new to Trinity and you feel like, well, I don't really have, I can't, I, might, I don't really have the right, I haven't earned the right to say, no, your voice is important here. And I'm glad that you're here for this conversation. I'm glad that you're here for this. And if you're new here, like you, I was once merely a visitor myself. And I pray that you'll be able to see the importance of this conversation today and your, the importance of you in this conversation today. So last week, Albert showed us this scripture, which is going to kind of, we're going to kind of sit in this scripture for the entirety of the series. It's going to guide all of our conversations through the series. It's found in Ephesians 5. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, he says this. Let's read this together. If you can read it on the screen. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. When you think of this conversation that we are having, this I love my church conversation, we want you to hear it in in two ways. First of all, we hope that you can find yourself in this place where in your own heart you can say, you know what, I I love my church. And I've, I've actually heard some of you say this, even some of you who are fairly new, but you say, man, I love this church. Some of you who have been here for a long time, and this has just become, become kind of routine, I, I pray that you can say this as well, right? Sometimes when you're in a relationship for a long time and things get old and you're not as excited about that person as you used to be, you don't have that same sense of, man, I love you. I love you. But I don't want us to get to that point where we just kind of forget to say love you, church. So I pray that you can say that. And not just for Trinity Church, but I pray that you can have this sense in your heart, like, man, I love the church, capital C. Like, you know, I actively go out of my way to love all of God's people, not just the people who look like me or worship me like me, not just the people who vote like me. I love God's church, God's people. But secondly, and more importantly, as Albert said last week, I want you to hear Jesus saying these words. I love of my church. Because that's what the scripture is saying. Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves the people that belong to him. And you know, the reason that Paul says this portion of scripture is because he's in the middle of giving a picture of marriage. He says that husbands must love their wives the same way that Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for her. He doesn't just treat her like an object for his own gratification. He's faithful to her. He loves her even with all of her faults. Now, in an earthly marriage, we know that this goes both ways, right? I love her with all her faults, but guess what? It's coming right back to me. 
And if you ask Gloria, it's probably you know, hundredfold more. She's, you know, she's, a little, she's a little more finished than that. But of course, this is only a metaphor, right? This is an earthly picture of the way that Jesus loves his church. And because Jesus loves his church, what does he want for his church? What does Jesus' love look like? What does he want for his church? Well, of course, if he loves his church, he only wants the best. I mean, when you fall in love with somebody, don't you want the best for him or her? Don't you want nothing less than the best? I remember when I was uh, dating Gloria and engaged to her, and I was, just, I was just stupid in love with her. I mean, just like head over heels. I would, I would go to her apartment to see her when she had a rough day, even if I was in the middle of something, even if it was late at night. I know scandalous, right? But I would go over there late at night just to see her. You know, I'd knock on her door, and she'd see me, and oh, that moment of like, you're here, and we would hug and embrace, and it was just so beautiful. But I would do that for her. I would leave her encouraging notes on her doorstep when I knew she, was, she had a big day ahead of her. I would, I would go, Azusa was the opposite of where I, where I worked. I, I was a teacher in Glendale, but she lived over in Azusa. But I would, I would get early in the morning. I, I went, one time I got flowers and I got like a bagel and coffee for her and I left it on her doorstep. And I left her a note and I was like, because I knew, I would, I would go out of my way to do that because I wanted her to be encouraged. I even considered calling off our engagement because I thought maybe, maybe she, cause she was going through such a hard time being away from her family in Korea. And I thought if she's going to be happier living in Korea, then I'll call off the engagement. If, if maybe she's better off just living in Korea, maybe finding a Korean man you know, who can do Korean things with her, then maybe, maybe that's – I thought, you know what? If that's what's best for her, as much as I love her, I will call this off. I'm sure glad that I decided not to do that, but I was willing to do it. So, so Jesus loves us so much that he wants the best for us. And what does that mean? What does this mean? Look at Ephesians 5 again. What does it say? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her what? holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish, but holy and blameless. Basically, you can say it like this. Christ loves the church enough that he wants to make us, his church, he wants to make us perfect. He wants to make us holy. And when you hear perfect, I want you to think the best that we can be, what we were always meant to be. It's not like God is sitting up there picking out all our flaws and you do this and you do that, but he wants to make us the best, the holiest that we can be. Perfect. Think about it. Christ calls us out of this mess of sin that we are in, in this broken world, and he says, I love you so much that I want to make you holy, and I'm not willing to settle for anything less. I love you so much that I want to make you holy. And he does it not just for us individually, but he is making the church holy. He does it for us as a body. Do you know that the church, God's people, we are a broken people? And a lot of times outsiders will say, what is wrong with us? And a lot of times we who are on the inside can see what is wrong with us. We know that we, the church, are broken Whenever you see a, a news story about another pastor who had an affair or, or somebody who, who left because they, they were on the brink of suicide or, or a pastor who had some kind of moral failure or abuse within the church, molestation, uh, and you think, ah, how can that happen? This is the church. This is God's people. What is going on? How is that possible? But God says, you know what? I see that. 
I know that. I know all the broken places, but I love you. I love you, and I'm not giving up on you. That's what Jesus is saying. And that gives us hope, doesn't it? That even with all of the broken places in our lives individually and all the broken places in the church, that Jesus is still saying, hey, I love you. I'm not giving up on you. Here's another way to look at it from another passage of Scripture found in, also in Ephesians. Paul is talking about the goal of the church and the leaders of the church, and he says this. So Christ gave, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, so church leaders, right, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, this is a great reminder for me as a pastor. Did you know this? Did you know that this was the goal of your pastors, the goal of your church? To, to be leaders, to be bringers of this. See, the goal of the church is not to make us feel good. The goal of the pastor and the leaders is not just to put on a show. I know it kind of seemed like it was the Johnny show this morning because I was leading worship and then I had to come down here and preach and <coughs> it wasn't supposed to be like that, but the guy who was supposed to co-lead with us, my brother Philip over here, he got sick and I was supposed to have another singer and she got sick. You, it's not, I don't, I'm, that was not my intention, all right? I don't, I don't want the Johnny show every week. The goal of the church is this. <clears throat> That's why my voice is a little gone. It's kind of tired from singing. <clears throat> the goal of the church, purpose of the church, is to equip people for good works. Until what? We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And what? Become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want you to notice that it doesn't say attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus. It says Christ. You know, we often think that as Christians we are only following the man from Nazareth, Jesus, who walked this earth as a human. But he was not just Jesus. What is his name? Jesus Christ. Do you know who this is? We are called Christians, Christians, followers of Christ. This is Christ, the holy and anointed one, the, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was in the beginning with God and, and through whom all things were made. This is Christ. This is what Father Richard Rohr calls the cosmic Christ. He has always been. He's more than just the three years that he walked in ministry, in the, whatever you imagine Jesus to be, right? With the beard and the sandals and the robe and the long hair. And, you know, some movies show him and he looks like a, a model or whatever. And he's got these piercing blue eyes. And with all the pictures that we have of Jesus walking around and the things that he did as a human... That's, that's just the, the human part of it. This is Christ... And he's saying that we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the actual purpose of church. I thought we were just supposed to show up here and stuff happens. But no, this is the true purpose of church. 
that we all reach unity in the faith, that we reach unity in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and that we are mature, attaining to the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. There's supposed to be some growth happening here. Why do you think sometimes in church we are asked or called to do things that stretch us, that, that cause us to come out of our comfort zones, that are uncomfortable? Why do you think that is? That's a pretty big expectation to attain to the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but I am so... Every day I feel so far from the, me- from the full measure of Christ. I feel so far from that. That is not where I live. I get angry. I yell at my kids. I want to tell off the person that cuts me off on the freeway. I lust. I have, I I get distracted. I I, I don't focus on the things that I'm supposed to focus on. Even in moments where you would think, oh, this is a holy moment. And Johnny's thinking about something. What the heck? I feel so far from this whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to talk about high expectations. Those are some high expectations. But how much does Jesus Christ love his church? How much does he love his church? He loves us enough to call us to something that is greater than what we could ever attain on our own power. So how do we become this kind of church? I want to know. If this is what we're supposed to be, then how do we do it? How do we become holy and radiant and without stain or wrinkle or blemish or blameless? How do we become unified Personally connected to Jesus Christ, mature and attaining to the fullness of Christ. How do we become the church that we were meant to be? How do we do it? Because it's not just about like Ivy just becoming the best Ivy that she can be, right? And and, and Betty becoming the best Betty that she can be, right? And and Fred and Tom and and Dan and and myself and, and Cindy. It's not just about each one of us individually. But we are supposed to become the church, the body that Christ called us to be together. How do we do that? I don't know about you, but there's this longing inside of me to be the man that God called me to be. And there's this longing inside of me to see the church be the church that God called us to be, that Christ means for us to be. How do we do it? How could we ever reach this? I want to I share with you, I want to introduce to you what we're going to call the five dimensions of the church. <coughs> and it's crucial It's important that we have this balance, right? We have a balance, a fullness of all five of these dimensions of church if we're going to be a holy and mature church, this church that Christ is talking about, right? In other words, if we're weak in one area, we'll not only fail to meet the expectations of people who are part of this gathering, but more importantly, we're going to be not functioning to the fullness of what Christ desires for his church. I mean, we need balance in a lot of areas in life, don't we? I mean, the best athletes, who are the best athletes? The, one, the ones who have balances of strength, speed, agility, offense, defense, a good attitude. You ever seen an athlete who has like all the right tools and everything, but they got a stinky attitude? And so they just show up there, and every time they, something doesn't go their way, they just get mad, and you see their shoulders slump like this? You can't use an athlete like that. It doesn't matter if they got all the talent in the world. They're not doing anything, right? You've got to have a balance of all these things. The best performers. What do we call those best performers? Triple threat, right? Anybody know what the triple threat is? Triple threat performer? Nobody knows? Do you have any performers in this room? <laughs> I'm kidding. Come on, you know, right? Act, sing, and dance. 
best performers, right? Theater. The guys, I mean, these are people, guys and girls, that can, they, could, they could do theater, they could do movies, they could, they could be recording artists, best performers, right? And some people who are singers probably shouldn't be, right? I'm looking at you, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> but I mean, but like really, like the best performers, right? Act, sing, dance, you gotta have a balance, right? The most effective parents, the ones who can be tough, firm when you need to be, but also show affection, right? Not all tough and not all affection, you gotta have a balance. My Korean mother has taught me what a balanced Korean meal looks like. It's not complete without, what, rice, meat, soup, and about 47 different side dishes. <laughs> so we need balance in all of these things and areas of life and so many more, right? So how much more important for the church, the people of God, the body of Christ, to make sure that we are living this healthy, balanced life? So these five dimensions that I'm going to talk to you about, they were developed by Rick Warren of Saddleback Church, but they've been adopted by countless churches. They apply to churches like Saddleback, which has an average of 20, over 20,000 people every weekend, to a church like ours and everything in between, okay? But now our goal in presenting these things to you, these five dimensions of the church, is to give us these crucial pieces to building the church that Christ meant for us to be. And these are crucial to becoming that holy, blameless, radiant, mature, unified church that Scripture talks about. <coughs> so here they are. And by the way, the, the order that I'm presenting them to you in is the order that we're going to be talking about them in the next few weeks. So these are the five things. And you have this on your handout. If you've got a handout, you can fill these in. The first one is stronger through worship. We grow... As a church, stronger through worship. <clears throat> now, as I said, we're going to be really expanding on each of these over the next few weeks. <coughs> so if you're not quite sure what this means, you will get through it. But think about this. We grow stronger when we worship. Next one. We grow warmer through fellowship. Warmer. I talked about that sense of warmness, warmth that I felt when I came here to Trinity Church. And that I felt at other churches as well. Warmth. It's not like a burning hot that like sends you running away. And it's not a cold that makes you feel like you're not wanted. It's just a warmth. A family, right? We grow deeper through discipleship. We grow deeper through discipleship. We grow broader, broader, through ministry. We grow broader through ministry. And the last one is we grow larger through evangelism. In case you missed any of them, all of them right there. Like I said, we're going to be expanding on these over the next few weeks. But I want you to notice a few things about these. Just take a minute to take a look at these, uh, these, these few things. First of all, I want, you to, to, I want you to know that each one of these is not just somebody's idea. This is not just Rick Warren's idea. It's not Albert's idea. It's not just, hey, Johnny thought these would be good to tell you. These are all based in Scripture. These all come from Scripture. And so, of course, each of the next few weeks we're going to be talking about where do you see this in the Bible? Where do you see this in the early church stories and records? Where do you see this in the life and teachings of Jesus? This is Scripture. This is... This is God's kind of stuff that he's already given us in, in the scripture. 
Second, I want you to think, hey, there's something missing from there that, that should be there in church. I bet you it's probably there. It's just part of one of the things that you're seeing. Like if you're thinking, hey, like, where's Bible study? Where's the Bible study part? Well, that's probably there. Hey, where's our, where's our prayer? Where's the prayer team? Where's prayer, right? It's, it's there. All right? What about, uh, what about outreach? What about first impressions? What about these things that we have? It's, it's there. But we have to kind of uncover it and take it apart and see where all these things fit, how those come into play. Now, the third thing I want you to notice, and this is very important, please hear me out. What's important about these is that none of these has to do with anybody's personality. These are not personality-driven dimensions. They are purpose-driven. They all have to do with maintaining one solid purpose, which is to become the church that we were meant to be. See, in the church, we can't allow the personality or the preferences of one person or a few persons or even a whole family to dictate the direction of this congregation. Only Christ Jesus is the captain of this ship, and we will go where he tells us to go. So these all have to do with the purpose of becoming the church that we were meant to be. It's not about my personality. It's not about Albert's personality. It's not about Christine. It's not about anybody coming and saying, this is where I think we should do it with the church. This is about going where Jesus Christ calls us to be. So why are we having this conversation? Why are we talking about these five things? Because your pastors... We love this church, but more importantly, because Christ loves this church. And there are some of these areas where we might be strong or we might be headed in the right direction towards strength. And there are some of these areas where we are not. There might be some areas where people are starving to be fed and we, your leaders, are simply dropping the ball and we are not feeding you. And there might be other areas where we are offering this feast and maybe you are simply not partaking. Our journey over the next few weeks is going to be to, to, to see where, where are those areas where we need to step it up and who needs to step it up and, and how. How can we become the church that we were meant to be? And I hope you can see this is not about criticizing. This is not about criticizing you. It's not about criticizing me. Rather, it's about not just blindly doing what's always been done and blindly failing to do what needs to be done if Christ's mission and people's needs are not being met. I want you to hear me very well. The most important thing, Christ's mission and people's needs must be met. Christ's mission, people's needs. That's what this is all about. Who is Christ calling us to be? And what are the needs that we have in our congregation that we need to meet? I want to, uh, I want to be real with you for a few moments here. That I... Uh, over the last maybe year or so, I've been having somewhat of a crisis when it comes to church. And it's not that I've been considering some drastic change in my faith. It's not that I'm on the verge of some moral failure. It's more like I've just been wondering, questioning. It's not a bad thing to do. But wondering and questioning can lead us to some crazy places sometimes. I've been wondering... When it comes to church and all the things that we do to make church happen, I've been wondering, what are we really doing here? Like, what are we actually doing here? Think about all the things that it takes to make church happen on a Sunday morning. Just at a, at a, at a, 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 a modestly sized church like Trinity Church. Think of all the things that it takes to make happen. What are some of the things that it takes to make this church service happen? Anybody know? 
Got to prepare the music, right? You know Musette? She's back there in the sound room. I know she's there right now, kind of hiding back there. Carlos, these guys, Carrie back there sometimes helps out too. They get here early. They're setting up all these chords. You know, somebody's got to set all this stuff up, plugging things in. Anybody know what else it takes to make this, this, this thing happen? You know, you know, there's people over there working with the kids, right? People get here, they make copies of stuff that they're going to give the kids. They set up a little thing with the screen and the projector, and the, they get ready for, for that. And Jeff is here early printing stuff and, you know, making sure that everything's in line and getting this, this iPad ready, you know, all the little things that we have to do. There are people that are praying. We gather to pray. We pray a few times throughout the morning to, to get ourselves ready for this. That's not to mention all the preparation that it takes for you just to get here, right? And those of you with kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? To get changing diapers, getting people dressed, feeding breakfast, getting them out the door. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. And, and, and I've been thinking over the last year, all the stuff that we do, what are we really doing? I've been wondering, are we focusing on all these things that we need to do to make this thing run? And meanwhile, is it possible that we're missing the thing that God really wants us to focus on? It's a thought that I really have. Are we missing something? Are we missing the point? I've been wondering whether all the buildings and the mega churches and the programs and this famous pastor over here and this famous worship leader over here, are they really all for the glory of our great God or are they just for us? Like who outside of the church bubble really cares about church stuff? Honestly, who, who cares about it? It's us. Church people, we care about church stuff. Who is this really for? Who really cares about the things that we do? And yet so many of us on Sundays in this congregations and who knows how many congregations all over the country and the world, we show up and we rush around and we stress over things. We have to do, but what if we're stressing about all this and meanwhile we're just missing the point? What is the point? But over the last few months, God has answered my questions and my wonderings in some big ways. God gave me an experience where I had a, 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 a perfect moment in an unexpected place. He let me have this deep spiritual conversation with somebody who's really seeking for God right in the middle of a gay bar. Yeah, that's right, me, a pastor. I went to a gay bar to talk to somebody. And I prayed with him. <laughs> and uh, it, was just, it was beautiful. <clears throat> and I hope to go back again because there's people there who are hungry for God. God took me and three other men from church on a journey to Ensenada, Mexico, to help a church to build a new building. And I saw tears in the pastor's eyes as he said, I don't know what to say. We couldn't have done this without you, my brothers. He let me have this bird's eye view of what our next-gen youth group was able to accomplish in Ensenada in reaching people that maybe never have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He used me and dozens of other people to bless moms and families through our oil change for single moms event that we had here just a little over a month ago. He gave me an opportunity to consider another job in another field. I was offered another job. And then God reminded me, I'm not done with you at Trinity yet. 
I had these experiences where God was saying, you want to know what the point is? What is the point? The point is that Christ is not done with us. Church, Christ is not done with us yet. Christ is still working on us. He's still making us holy. Christ has redeemed us, but he is still redeeming us. There is more work to do. There is more work to allow Christ to do in us. And I'm not talking about work like, well, who's going to paint that wall? Or who's going to fix that door? Or who's going to clean this carpet? I'm talking about the work of growing us, making us holy, making us mature. I'm talking about bringing us into unity with each other. I'm talking about making sure that we are balanced in our worship, in our fellowship, in our discipleship, in our ministry, in our evangelism. There is still work to do. And that work is life. That's what we are doing. This is the point. We are doing the impossible. We are becoming like Christ. And we're doing it together. We are doing it together. Can you say this today? Can you say this out of the abundance of your heart? I love the church and I love what Christ is building in us. I love my church and I love what Christ is building in us. Can you say this today? Or are you just here trying to stay awake, trying to get to the end of the sermon? Is this in your heart today? Are we complete? Do we have everything figured out? Is every single base being covered? No. But we are loved by Christ, and he is not done with us. I want to close by telling you about a a, a church that I visited during my my paternity leave. I had two weeks of paternity leave because my wife just had a baby. By the way, side note, thank you, church, for supporting me in having a paternity leave. (laughs) That was so beautiful. I... I spent two weeks, basically, we would send my kids, my two older kids, to school here at NPCS, and I had an entire day just to bond with my new son and my wife, and it was some of the most beautiful days that I've ever had. Thank you for supporting us in that. Thank you for those of you who called us, who visited us, who texted us, Facebooked us, brought us food. If you thought about us, thank you. Thank you so much for, for supporting me in that. But I thought, well, I've got paternity leave, so I'm going to go check out another church, because I don't ever get to do that. Um, So I I went and checked out this church called Mountainside Communion, which is in uh, Monrovia, um, which is kind of up closer to where I live. And they are actually a sister uh, Nazarene church. Um, There was something so refreshing about this atmosphere that they have at this church, Mountainside Communion. And And I tried to pinpoint, what is it that makes this unique, so special? It was really nice that they had a basket up in the front where the, where the worship team was playing. They had a basket up in front, and it was full of, like, instruments, tambourines, little uh, triangle, you know, little thing. And the kids could go up there, and they could get a little instrument, and they were, like, <laughs> playing during the worship time. I loved it. And the, the kids were, like, I, I, kind of like we have here, the kids were there, but they actually had instruments. <laughs> One of the kids, her, her dad was playing up there. He was playing guitar, and so she just went up there and stood next to him, you know, and just hitting the thing. And just, enjoying that worship time, right? Because this time is for them, right? That was nice. I like that the pastor's sermon felt more like a conversation rather than a monologue or performance. He was very down to earth and practical. They aren't a huge congregation, probably about 75 people. It wasn't a polished, well-oiled service. You know, it, it was kind of a little messy at points, but that's part of the charm. Very, very organic and family 
friendly. But I realized later that what makes this congregation so unique can be summed up in one word. Ownership. Ownership. Whatever the church is, whatever it's not, it's on purpose. And it's not just the result of one pastor or one board or one group of people saying this is what the church is going to be. When you're there, you get the sense that people have invested their hearts in this church. And that this church was built and poured into by everyone. Everyone had a hand in making this church what it is. Church, I want to ask you, are we all on board? Are we all willing to invest in making this church the church that we want to see? Are we all willing to invest to making this church the church that Christ is calling us to be? Are we willing to invest to the point that we can say, kind of like that old nursery rhyme, this is the house that Jack built. This is the church that we built. This is the church that we built. Now, I know in Scripture, Christ says that he builds the church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know that. But I want to remind you of something that Albert brought up last week from 1 Peter 2, where he says that Christ is the living stone. He's the cornerstone of the church. Christ is the head. He's the cornerstone but that we also are all living stones. In other words, Christ is the cornerstone, but he's not the only stone. He uses us to build his church too. He uses us. We are all part of this. If the Claudia stone is missing, if the Lou stone is missing, if the Brian stone is missing, if the Andre stone is missing, if the Pete stone is missing, if any of these stones are missing, the church is not what it was meant to be. Everybody needs to be in on this. Christ is the cornerstone. We are living stones. He uses us to build his church. And it is not just one person's job to build a church. Hear me. So many times it's the expectation, like, well, you're the pastor. Why don't you come up with this? Why don't you think of it? Why don't you do it? Why don't you... Oh, well, you're the head of this ministry. Why don't you? This is our church. Are we willing to invest to see this church become what Christ is calling us to be? It's not just one person's job, one group's job. It is everyone's job to build this church. Now, I don't have all the answers for how to make everything happen or to do church in in the right way. But I do know That one way to make sure that we are doing it wrong is to not have everyone working together. If I want to make sure that we're doing it wrong, we're going to give it all to Jeff, we're going to give it all to Albert, we're going to give it all to Johnny. That's not what the church is meant to be. So there are two action steps that I want to ask you to take today. Two action steps that I want to to ask you if you would do to make sure that we continue the work that I'm talking about. And please, try not to see this as burdensome, like homework, right? Instead, these are opportunities, privileges that you have to join in what God is doing here at Trinity Church. Action step one. Will you take an active interest in your church, Trinity Church? Will you show up to important meetings, like town hall meetings, where where Pastor Albert wants to say something important to the whole congregation? Will you take a moment or a few minutes to find out who are our board members who are making decisions for our church, if you don't know? 
Would you look into ministries that, where you can serve? Would you join opportunities for outreach and evangelism like Family Promise? Would you take an interest in your church? Would you show up early here to service at 1045 so you can worship? I know we all like to grab snacks and hang out there. Can you come 15 minutes earlier and grab snacks 15 minutes earlier and then come in to worship? Will you take an interest, an active interest in your church? in the life of what's happening here at Trinity Church? Will you commit to doing more than just showing up? Will you take an active interest in your church? And second, more specific ask, will you keep up with the sermons in this series? Can you keep up with the sermons? Especially with this series, more than other series, these five dimensions that we're going to dig into, right? Worship, discipleship, fellowship, these things. These are critical to our identity as a church. And as I said, we want you to see this series as more of a conversation than a series of monologues. Engaging in the sermons is an important way you can keep up with that conversation. So if you have the internet, go to trinitychurchmp.com. Sermons are always logged up. But if you don't have the internet, let us know. We can get you a CD. If you don't have a CD player, let us know. We might be able to get it on cassette tape for you. I'm just kidding. We probably can. (laughs) I would try, but I don't think we could. I don't know if we have that technology. But we want you to engage with these sermons. We want you to engage. What does it mean to worship? What does it mean to have fellowship? What does it mean to do ministry? What does it mean to do evangelism? There's a big word that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And depending on who you ask, it can mean different things. It may even have a negative connotation. What does it mean? Will you engage with us in these sermons? Church, I want you to know. I want you to see That God is doing something here. God is already at work. Can we join together and become the church that we were meant to be? I want to do one last thing as we close. I want to ask you to talk to the people that you were just talking to a while ago at the beginning. And I want you to tell them, what's one thing that you love about Trinity Church? Even if you're new here, you've been here for years and years and years, there's one thing that you love about Trinity Church. Go ahead. Give me a moment to do that. All right, I would uh, once again love to hear what some of you have said. Um, If you would volunteer to share, um, what is one thing that you love about Trinity Church? Can I get anybody to share some love? I'll get you last, okay, just because you already talked, okay? I'm really glad that you're eager to share, but I want to hear from some other people who haven't talked yet. But thank you. I'm going to ask you at the end. Anybody else? Come on, I'm willing to walk back there. I just, need to, I just need to know that it's worth it for me to go back there. So you got to raise your hand. Yes, Molly. Yes. Um, we're new here, so we just started coming in July. But I just, the first kind of major service we came to was the commissioning service for the Roland Heights Church. So I think we just appreciate the courage that the pastor staff and the board has to, to expand and to reach more of the community. And there's just a heart for the community that I appreciate. So. Thank you, Molly. Thank you. Somebody else. Come on, Jesse. I see that hand. They said it just feels like home. Amen. Simple. I love it. <clears throat> Jenny, I want to hear what you say. It feels like family. Very inviting. Comforting. It's important, isn't it? Times in our lives where we feel like we, we just need that. We need a place where we know we'll be welcomed. Church, 
There's a lot more that I'm sure that we said. But I want you to hear, we're, we were part of building this. You're part of that. You're part of that family. You're part of that home. You're part of that courageous step that we take to do something that we've never done before. You're part of that. We're all part of building this church. Last thing I want to do before I pray, I want to ask my dad to come on up here. I, I didn't tell my dad I was going to do this, and I was hoping my mom would be here too. But <clears throat> um, So many of you know that we are launching a team over on the Roland Heights campus to help kind of revitalize their ministries. and kind of basically, basically like a church plant at a church that was already there. So we're kind of just building that up. It's taken a lot of work. A lot of people have invested their time and energy over there. We've sent a lot of people from here to over there. We're basically doing the same thing here. Um, and we need people who are willing to invest to build this church to become what it can be. And so Albert and Christine and I were talking about who are people that are not already part of this congregation, but that we see leadership ability in them, and we see maturity, and we see a willingness to serve and to help and to give, and they have leadership experience in church. And two of the people that I thought of right away are my parents. They are the ones who have, I mean, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I would not be a pastor today if it wasn't for them. So I asked my parents, would you consider joining Trinity Church and our relaunch team? I asked them just for a year, but I asked, if, would you come and join us and help us to, to, to build Trinity Church, Monterey Park Campus? They thought about it. They have a wonderful church that they attend up in, uh, up in Eagle Rock called Christian Assembly. I was there for about a year and a half, and I loved it there, and I know that they love it there too. They prayed about it. They thought about it, and my, my mom and dad said, yep, we're going to join you be with you for the, for the next year. I say that, I say that because we, this, they are not the only ones who have joined us over the last few months and over the last years. Maybe you've been here for years and years and years and years, but God has been leading us to this time. And it doesn't matter if you've been in ministry and, and, and you feel like I'm done, I've served, my, I've served my sentence, I've done my time or whatever. We still need you. And if you're new here, and if you feel like I don't know where to, we need you. And even for somebody like my dad, who hasn't been coming to this church, and this is not his church congregation, but he's willing to join us in what we're doing. We're all part of this. Thanks, Pop. Thank you. Church, I love you, and I want to I be on this journey with you. And we need every single one of us. None of us can do it alone. Lord, I, uh, sometimes I don't know what to say. I don't, Lord, you have allowed me to be part of this thing that we call church, this body of Christ. And, um, Lord, I'm just so humbled. I'm so humbled that I get to be a part of this, what you're doing here. Thank you, God for all the ways that you are working. Thank you for the people that are here. Thank you for people that are here that have been here for decades. And without them, this church congregation would not be here. But I know many of those people are tired. I know many of those people have been serving and working and pushing for a long time. And so I also thank you for the people that are relatively new. We've only come in the last year, or five years, or even ten years. And we have some of that energy and ability. 
Lord, but we need everybody. We need the people who have been around for decades, and we need the people who have just joined us recently. Because, God, we want to be the church that you're calling us to be. And it's so beautiful, and I can see it, and I have hope for us, God. In spite of all the things that we need to work on, long way we have to go, Lord, you are doing something in us, and I believe that you will see it through. Because you said, he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. I believe that you are true and you are faithful, and you will do it. We thank you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.